Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the leprechaun. <laughs> do my jigsaw. It's Kevin Carver. Kevin, how are you doing? If you're going to do that, fine. I'll do a full length <laughs> I'm the leprechaun. Oh, I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> I couldn't help it, you know. Because you know, uh, full disclosure, guys, Kevin has red hair, guys. So you know, it's 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 not it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> and the right. Chucky to my <laughs> and the, leprechaun. And our very, exactly, our very own Chucky. It's Eric Grunfeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, John Gruden, old Chucky. As long as it's not the new child's play, we are good to go. So a bye week has never gone better for a team than this bye week went for the Seattle Seahawks. Who boy? The, the Packers lost our closest our closest rival in the race for first in the in the in the. Uh, conference is the chicago bears who i think we all agree are are quite bad it's a bye week has never gone better for a team than that week went for the seahawks and so it just uh just an overall very nice uh easy buy now we come back off the buy lots of guys coming back from injuries Uh, we got all kinds of stuff heading our way we have the number one dvoa offense in the league we're leading the league in touchdowns even though we haven't played we played less games than most other teams just an Excellent, excellent week to the Seahawks. So I thought it'd be fun if we did a little buy or sell today. I'm going to give you guys six things. You're going to either buy it or sell it. Okay? Mm. I'm in. You ready? Okay, so here we go. Buy it or sell it. Will the Seahawks finish the season with a top 15 DVOA defense? And I have two things I want to say right now. Right now, the Seahawks are 26th in defensive DVOA. And and after this week, they will be returning uh, Jamal Adams. Snacks Harrison, DJ Reed, and then eventually uh, Darrell Taylor, T- Taylor will come back. So we have a lot of players returning on the defensive side of the football. Do you think that's enough to push them up to top 15 in DVOA? Eric? Oh, go on. I'm going first. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm selling that. There's no way. Uh, put your money where your mouth is if that's going to happen. Because right now, I, I, can't, I can't buy that. I'll sell it. All right. Oh, Eric. Yeah. You see, what we're about to do is we're about to have Dunbar because Dunbar had his has injuries. He can't play an entire season. We already knew that. So we can put that in the rearview window. It's happened. So (laughs) now Dunbar's back. We've got Chad Griffin. We officially have two average to above average starting cornerbacks. Amadi has emerged. We're getting uh, we have some young kids that are likely to improve as the season goes along just by the nature of especially a COVID reduced off season. And the other thing is, I don't know if you know this or not, but in 2020 defense is an illusion. My friend, <laughs> I'll but agree with you. The you defense is an illusion. Defenses. The good defenses are Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, maybe probably Indy, Baltimore, probably Chicago, Denver, and that's, that's it. it. That's it. Those are all good defenses. So if Seattle can get back to just a middling pass defense, which I think with healthy defensive backs, they will, then we're looking at probably a top 12, maybe even like a 10th place defense. If we can get back to bang average 0.0 on defense, we will be 15th. So I'm not saying that I would expect us to be good on defense, but I think that 15th is the line. I think it's really close to that. And I think that's why I set the line there. It's because we're going to get some really good players in to play. We will have an elite run defense. Now here's the problem with that. He's called snacks. Harrison (laughs) run run defense in the NFL in 2020 sucks, but here's what's good about that. We play a team twice down the stretch. That is only good at running the ball. And that's the 49ers. So it actually might not be that bad to be a good run stopping team <laughs> as the Seattle Seahawks. So Additionally, I, I, we play against a Rams team that like predicates everything on being able to run the way they want to. Yeah, pre-snap motion. Like we're going to run this like jet sweeps and stuff. Yep. And a Cardinals right. offense that also has everything run through their quarterback who likes to run a whole lot. Yeah, but he he is playing out of his mind. There's a Kyle, I'm gonna say a little thing about Kyler Murray because in later in the podcast when we talk about the Cardinals game, but he is playing quite well right now. Uh, all right, 
Will the Seahawks remain in the top five in the NFL in turnover differential? Currently, they are tied for first with a plus six turnover differential. But as we all know, turnovers are a little random. This is incredibly difficult to maintain. So will the Seahawks finish in the top five in the NFL in turnover differential? This has been the kind of the the thing that has kept us our bad defense from sinking us. Who wants to go first? I'll go. All right. All right, I think that our defense is likely to still force a few turnovers just based on the style that we're playing. And our offense, we have a quarterback that protects the ball well. And when you have a quarterback that protects the ball well, you always have a chance at keeping those numbers up. So I think we will. Uh, I will also buy this simply because we have a quarterback and an offense that slings the hell out of the ball, which makes a lot of teams need to catch up to us. That in itself can create turnovers because you're passing the ball more. You're not running the clock. You're not being in control of the time on the field, uh, the time of possession. That opens you up for more turnovers. We've been doing it through five games very vigorously. And because of that, our defense will get a little better. We are going to be more healthy. I'll definitely buy this. Okay. When you said vigorously, I just pictured Pete on the sidelines with a shake weight. <laughs> right, we started. We started with a couple de- uh, a couple defensive softballs. I feel like so. Now, so now, let's go to the offense. Will Russell Wilson set the single season record for touchdowns? Current or tie it? Set or tie? He's currently on pace for sixty point eight. The record is fifty five. He would need three point four touchdowns per game to beat it. I have a follow up question because I feel like you're both going to slam no on this. I want to. I'll. I'll buy it. It's fun to buy it. And let's face it, 3.4 a game. Are you telling me there's going to be one game where he has only two touchdowns? Sure, let's say there's two games he's only going to have two touchdowns. I also see at least one game, one more game this year, where he has five touchdowns. Looking at you, New York. Looking at you, Buffalo. Uh, A couple with four. I'm buying this. You know, I think I am going to go ahead and sell it just because keeping a over three touchdown clip going is really hard to do in the NFL. You know, I I think there's a good chance that we end up running in a few more touchdowns. Um, I think there's a good chance that the points come in other ways. And so I am going to say he ends up going under. What about over 50 touchdowns, Kevin? That's a 2.8 per game pace. Okay, here I'm going to do this. I think a a three average makes sense for him. Here's some of the defenses we face down the stretch. Jets, 31st in pass defense. This is DVOA. Buffalo, 28th. Philadelphia, 27th. The Giants, 23rd. The 49ers, 22nd. We face all of these teams. I mean, these are we face some pretty bad pass defenses uh, in, the, in the back half of this schedule. I'm into it. I think that 55 is very reachable. I think it's um, very reachable, but I just think <clears throat> he has think... to have more than three touchdowns a game, and three touchdowns is a good game. Mm-hmm. That's true. If he had 33 more, he would hit. If he had three a game, 33, he would hit 52. Yep. Which is just shy. So, all right. How many times will the see in the last 11 games this year, will the Seahawks have a 100-yard rusher? So far, it has happened zero times this season. Last year, we happened eight times. So, Eric, start us off. How many, how many games in the last 11 games will the Seahawks have a 100-yard rusher? Wow, if you hadn't given me that. That stat that we only had an eight last year, I may have guessed like high. I'm going five. I think we slot us in for five. Okay. Too talented. Okay, Kevin, what do you think? Well, let's see. I think uh, the Eagles, Giants, and Jets are going to be trying to run the clock out at the end of the game. So like the whole second half, there's going to be a ton of running. I think there's a good chance those all end up being 100-yard games. So that's three pretty easy right there. Um, I think there's a chance there ends up being a weather game in Buffalo and probably a weather game at home where we're probably running the ball a little bit more. So I would say, what am I buying? Five or just how many? How many? Give me a number. I guess, okay, buy or sell over under Eric's number. How about that? Or how about this? I'll say four and a half. So Eric has over. You have? Over. I think five or six. Okay, um, we we do not face a single run defense that has a positive DVOA for the rest of the season. I actually think that 
with Penny coming back and uh, stuff and stuff like that, that it's going to be really difficult for the Seahawks to have a 100 yard rusher this year. I'm I'm going I would go under and strong under. I think that it might be like one time this whole year. Wow. That we have a 100 that we have a 100 yard rusher because there's going to be multiple guys in the backfield. No one no single guy is going to get enough carries to make it happen. You got to get to like 20 carries to get 100 yards. It's pretty tough without unless you hit like two explosive plays, which is not really Chris Carson's thing. He's more of a like 15 yards and I killed three guys on the way there. <laughs> You only have to do that like five times and then you're there. You only have to do it five times. That's hard. Uh, Okay. This is a good one. Will the Seahawks bring in a new player before the trade deadline on November 3rd? And I wrote down some possibilities of guys that have been in trade. These guys have either been in a trade rumor in the last year or, and they all are on teams with like one or one win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they all have one win. All right, defensive line. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan from the Washington football team. Tack McKinley from the Falcons. Uh, Sheldon Rankins from New Orleans. Okay, they don't have one win, but he they do not like him anymore. Uh, Quinnen Williams with the Jets. Carlos Dunlap with the Bengals. Uh, safeties, you could bring in Anthony Harris from Minnesota or Justin Simmons from Denver, who got franchise tagged last year. Avery Williamson at linebacker from the Jets or Miles Jack from Jacksonville. Who uh, just signed a new contract, but does he was floated in a lot of trade rumors last year from Jacksonville, which makes me think that they're more than willing to part with him for the right pick. So, lots of guys available on defense. I didn't put any offensive guys because I'll be honest with you, I don't think that changing it, we should change anything on offense right now. I think it would be a mistake other than just adding in guys who are already in the system. Philip Dort. Philip Dorsett is going to be a big enough addition. Josh Gordon potentially later in the season, a big enough addition. And we'll talk about that Josh Gordon in a minute. But what do you guys think? Will the Seahawks bring in a new player at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline? This is what makes this so much fun, Nathan, is you've given us points for Kevin and I to argue over and you have some, you know, some stats to back up either opinion. Uh, This is fun. So I want to say yes. But Eric always picking the fun option. I like it. Eric votes for Eric votes for a party. But here's, <laughs> I am. I am. That's because I'm the heart of the podcast, but I'm also I can be a downer because I'm a realist. And I would just say, if we're going to do this, what do we have to trade? I would say you're like the emotional core. Yes, you're like the you're like the uh, you you're the uh, I want it so bad, but I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, you know, I just I just saw it and I thought of you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, Yeah, so I'd like to see us do something, but I have no idea how we would get it. I, I just like I just like the idea that like a bunch of people just listened to that and they were like, what just happened? Nathan said live laugh Nathan said live laugh love and never got a huge laugh. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like th- th- that joke is not uh, funny. Uh, we're not it explaining is, it though. Anyway. It is here. Um <laughs> so the thing is, if we brought somebody in, that means somebody's leaving. So mm. I think we all agree the defensive line is where that's most likely to happen, right? It's the most at need position, but I I would say this. I put Harris and Simmons on here because they are both extremely good safeties that will probably be available at an extremely low price, like fifth rounder. Does that make sense? Quandre has not played a great season so far. Justin Simmons is like, I think, potentially the the finest safety in all of the National Football League in terms of land. He's really, really good. He's like a Jamal Adams level needle mover in terms of like how his level of play. The Denver defense has been ravaged by injuries. And this guy, I feel like single handedly holds the whole defense together. Now, I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't watched enough of his tape to know. I know he's a little bit better in the run game than in the past game. So maybe it's just too much overlap with Jamal. Um, I'd have to like dig into the tape a little bit to know if he's like a perfect fit or not. Um, Cause I am not hundred percent sure, but he had a 91 coverage grade last year and an 86 run defense grade. That's a uh, pretty good at everything. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, 11, 11, so- 11 pass breakups. That's insane. And then linebackers, because we are in- pretty injured at linebacker right now. That's why I put it. We are, but if we bring in a linebacker, I think it will be like a really cheap deal. So I'm going to say, I don't think we bring anyone in. I think snacks kind of is the big ad. And Demontre Moore's kind of moving into the fold. They keep leaking out there that they think uh, um, 
Daryl Taylor is going to be able to make it back sometime this season. Is it Daryl or Darrell? Yes, it is Daryl or Darrell. Um, Rasheem Green is coming back from injury. And so I think there's just kind of a log jam there where I think they would be looking at having to probably drop players that they want to keep. Yeah, the team believes in all of these guys, right? But one thing we could do is we could move one of those guys and get one of these guys in return. We could say, hey, you know, we'll give Cincinnati a good young defensive lineman in Rasheem Green. Take back a Carlos Dunlap. Would you be against a move like that? I would. Because I think Carlos Dunlap is on the wrong side of his career at this point. I think that that is... But from, a philo- but from a philosophical perspective, you don't think that right now the window is open. Like the window is open for us to win a Super Bowl this season. You think like, Dunlap opens the window that much more than Regime Green does? I think Carlos Dunlap is a much better football player than Regime Green right now. I'm not saying that three years from now that will be the case, but I don't really – on some level, I don't care about three years from now. And I, and I think – Fly, exactly. Banners fly forever. I mean, Carlos Dunlap was pretty incredible last year. 10 sacks, 51 total pressures. And although he's not playing as good this year, he does have 13 pressures already. Like who's the team leader on our team for, for pressures right now? And I don't, I can't imagine it's much, it's much more than 13. Um, let me, let me look. Pressures, do you have to ask? 12. It's Benson Mayo with 12. So he would, he would instantly come in and <laughs> improve. Demontre Moore's got 10 and then Jamal Adams is third with nine in three games. Like that's a problem. Let's just be honest. That's a problem and it is an area of need. And I don't know if Rasheem Green coming back moves the needle enough for me to go, okay, yeah, I would just not want to have Carlos Dunlap. Some of these guys on this list I do, I do, I'm against. I'm not Rankins, I think, is just overlap with snacks. It's just a big run stuffy guy, and we don't really need that. Kerrigan, I want though. Tack McKinley is like Say, too samey with green. I don't want to do deal with like another <clears throat> young developmental guy. You know, like we have enough of those on the team right now. Ryan Kerrigan would be incredible. I le- legitimately think that you could give a pretty high pick for him and it would be worth it. Like maybe a fourth rounder even. The problem with Ryan Kerrigan is I don't think Washington wants to trade him. Um, His contract's not unreasonable. He's a really he's, good it's the fine. It's the final year of his contract. They are working on one thing. They know they're not going to win this season, although they're only one game out of first. They're, <laughs> they they know they're not going to win this season, though. They I think they're relatively sure Kyle Allen is not the future of their franchise. And for them, they look at Kerrigan and they say, this is a guy we can help that can help build our culture. He's Mr. Washington football team, right? So it's it'd be really hard to trade him away. So you'd have to blow them away with the offer. And I think giving up a third rounder for like a one-year rental is bad business. So what about a, a young upcoming quarterback by the name of Geno Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Jets, the Jets, Quinnen Williams is speaking of young players. I mean, that's a player that's been floated out there. Quinnen Williams is a player that the Jets seem willing to part with. He was, he's, we're one year removed from him being the third overall pick in the draft, right? So it's not. It's it's pretty reasonable to to give them a relatively high pick for Quinn and Williams too because I figure that price is going to be the rent because because you're not renting Quinn and Williams you still have this year next year the year after that and then a potential fifth year option like is there a lot it's a lot of contract there's a lot of meat left on that bone you know for, for a really good player who's a for really a cross good team fit and the thing yeah the thing about Quinn and Williams is is like the things that made him the number three pick don't exist yes he has he has not been excellent with the Jets but he has been good. He's been an above average football player. And I think escaping that, that vortex of suck is, is um, there's something to that, you know, and I would be excited. And you know, you know, who's going to know a lot about whether or not we should trade for Quinn and Williams. Jamal. Jamal. Yeah. I would, I would, if I was inside track, if I was like, you know, John, I would go to Jamal and I would say, Hey, look, Quinn and Williams, I want to get on the horn. What, what would, what, how good is this kid? You know? And then, and use that to kind of inform my decision because of how much I'm going to give up. Because to be honest, the way we've already like traded out of next year's draft, <laughs> like we're just not even in next year's draft. And then the other thing too is, is if you, you trade a third rounder for Quinn and Williams, you could rehab his value to get a pick better than that back without, without breaking a sweat. The raw talent level that made him the number three overall pick is still there. So yeah. yeah and, I would. It, and it's not like he's having like this awful season or anything. He's got eight pressures. He's got two sacks. He's got, you know, a he's got a run stop or two. Like, or 16, you know? 
a runs a run stop or 16 yeah he's a, he's a snacks level run stopper at, at, at his peak if he can reach his full powers that'd be a good guy for him to learn from to be honest with you get in there with snacks and uh jerk and a uh, jaren that's like a good he yeah. could really be he could be the guy um yeah i, I uh i'm really really hoping we trade for a defensive lineman um because i would it, like that i just think it's one of those things where i don't want to get a guy who's um this season only an old if we're giving up a player who I think is value. You like Rasheem Green. You like Rasheem Green quite a bit then. Yeah, I think Rasheem Green is value. I think he's I think he's um your second or third best defensive end on a solid uh defensive line rotation. Be be honest. Is it the powerful eyebrows that really make you love Rasheem Green? Uh, complete <laughs> do I do I need to post this picture again in the in the Discord right now, Kevin? I mean, you don't have to. It's my wallpaper on my phone. Yeah. Um, but Kevin's looking it at it now, uh, dude. I turned the eyebrows into a reaction on the Discord. Um, I, don't know I thought that was that. Keith that did that. Oh no, dude! I had Keith give me the picture, but I definitely turned it into the reaction. Yeah, I, I just posted it again, so it's just so everyone can really ba- bathe in the eyebrows. That's it. But in all seriousness, I think it's because his athleticism is really high. And I think we do have a good defensive line coach. And I do like the trajectory of what he's building. You know, I don't think he's going to be a all pro level player, but I think he's one of those guys who can just play in your rotation for a decade and be really solid. He's, he did come into the league young, so there is like justification for thinking he might be a late bloomer as well. I mean, he's still only twenty three years old, and he's in his you know third third season. So. Yeah, he's he's still like a draft. He's still a commonly draftable age right now. Yeah. All right, uh, that's enough trade talk there. All right, last. All right, I think I have two more. Yeah. Uh, will Josh Gordon be reinstated by the NFL in twenty twenty for this season? This is the year of forgiveness. <laughs> I don't know why. Don't just don't just 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 ride with me, okay? Don't, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on board. For I'm Eric. in the. I'm in the back of the car. I'm ready, dude. Just ride it. with me. Yeah, Let's ride, baby. I think around week eight they'll just be like, "Eh, Josh Gordon, weed. He's definitely gonna write the train now for three games, and he will be back." Do week eight, lock it up, Kevin. You know, it's a shame they didn't like, I don't know, punch a kid or something, because then he'd only had a couple of game suspension. That's but sad, but true. Instead, he did something that the NFL really cares about. And so they're really sending a message. I assume he'll be back at some point in the season. Otherwise, like the Players Association will probably get involved. I think that Josh Gordon coming back has nothing to do with the actual offenses at this point. Josh Gordon has been suspended for reasons that were legitimate under the CBA five times. That's a lot of times. It's a habitual line stepper. And I think that for the NFL, for the NFL, they have to look at this. And this is a really difficult decision because they have a lot of factors at play. They got the NFL PA over here, probably saying one thing and they have their personnel conduct policy over here. Right. And they have and they have all these guys that they banned, basically soft banned from the league, like Fantaze Perfect and stuff like that. And they say, okay, like if they let him back, do we all who else? What else? What does that message does that send? What does that say? And I, and even though and the thing is, is that I think in their eyes, and this is an old school mentality that I don't necessarily agree with, it doesn't matter to them that they're not testing for weed anymore. Because and that that's like saying just not a factor for them. Because at the time they were testing, that was against the rules. And so it doesn't matter that now he could do it as much as he wants and, and completely get away with it. It's like we're past that point. He's got five times he couldn't pass a test in the league. And and also another thing too is the NFL, once you fail a test, they're psychotic, man. They they hound you with tests all the time. So I'm not surprised that he failed again because- yeah, they can't be wrong. Yeah, it's like like they're like, like um, I think it was Pat McAfee talked about this on his show about how when he was in the program, it's just like insane the amount that they're following you around looking for tests and how you have to tell them where you are all the time and stuff. And I I get it. It's not it's not the best, but I like the NFL I, players who are tweeting about like, uh, hey, I'm just got off the field after my four touchdown game. Guess who here to meet me? Yeah, it's it's tough. And so I I see both sides, and I I think like. 
from like a, you know, just a perspective from the perspective of like, should he be reinstated? Like moralistically? Yeah. And if they, the longer they wait, the more likely they are. You're right, Kevin, for the NFLPA to start suing them. But Right now, I mean, the NFL is really struggling, I think, with to make a decision that they think is in the best interest of kind of maintaining their player conduct policy. And that it's stupid. It sucks for the Seahawks. It sucks for Josh Gordon, who just wants to be a professional football player, right? And um, and probably feels like, hey, I can put all the things that hounded me my entire career behind me now. Yep. Because I just smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> and and now it's allowed. So so he's like, I can finally just get put this in the past where it belongs, I and just play. And I can just play football. You know, I can just play football, and it's completely fine. But that's just not uh, just not the way it's going. I'm thinking it's tough. I don't know, man. This is a hard one for me. Well, because I think we're coming up on what would be an eight game suspension. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna. If when he comes back, it's gonna be like they're they're gonna be like they're gonna be like, yep, and he can come back next week. You know what I mean? It's gonna be like something stupid like that. It's not gonna be like, okay, yeah, two more games to go. You know, they're not gonna tell us way in advance. Yeah, they'll do one of those like they flew him in for a personal talk with Raj. He sat in the chair with him in his basement from the draft, and they talked about his issues in the man in the man cave in the man cave, and now (laughs) he feels like he's ready. The thing about it is like the four wide receivers set with Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett is insanity. I'm close. It's like the craziest <laughs> stuff. Yeah. That is that that four verticals out of that formation is like that those four Good. guys just running route. It's like, yeah, okay. Which guy do you want to run with? Because the one of these guys is gonna kill you. You know what I mean? It's just too too much talent on the field at the same time. That's pretty exciting. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Last question. Will the Seahawks get the buy in the NFC? Will they be the one seed? They have the lead right now and they play the seventh easiest schedule down the stretch. According to DVOA. Absolutely. They will. All right. I like the confidence, (laughs) Eric. Yeah, it takes, it's going to take, it's going to take something really bad to happen here. So I'm looking at our schedule, and we're going to be going over the schedule soon. But uh, the NFC West games are the ones that you can circle as troublemaker games. Um, beyond that, not much, man. Kevin? I see us losing no. maybe three or four total games. Yeah, I was going to say the, the path. Way out. The path to 13 and three is relatively clear. I mean, the Rams, the Rams have only beat NFC East teams. So how good are they really? That's four wins against the NFC East. The Cardinals might be actually decent. I'm I'm not putting that behind me. I so think the Cardinals split them. Maybe we split with the Cardinals and then, and then the 49ers look like a mess, to be honest with you. They are held together by Kyle Shanahan's good coaching. It's yep. an eight and eight. It's an eight and eight team through and through. Yeah, but but maybe but, you know, the Rams and the 49ers are going to get one win off us between the two of them, probably. That's just how it works. So that's two losses in division. And then, you know, you find one or two losses um, out. But it's not a tough schedule. I do not think the teams we're playing that are left are really I don't I don't think very highly of the Bills. I think that they're a 10 win team in a pretty weak AFC. And I don't think they're a great matchup against us because that's the thing. Like if we're playing as a team. Like, if you're playing against Tampa Bay, or if we're playing against Green Bay, that's a team that I think can air it out in a way. If you, if you really push us, if you ask me, like, hey, are we more likely to lose to the Bills or drop one of these four games at Eagles, home for Giants, home for Jets, at Washington? I'd probably pick that the crappy stretch, the four games where we inexplicably lose one of those games while we all pull our hair out because that's peak Seahawks. For, for us to just like, hey, you can lock up the first seed by beating Washington on the road on December 20th. And then we just like lose the game for no reason. And it's like, why? Why does this happen to us? But then we lock it up, you know, the next couple weeks or whatever. But, but yeah, it, it's I'm giving us the number one seed. I, I, wait, just, right, I just don't think that it's going to be another way. Right now, the 538 ELO gives us a 42% chance for the first round by. Um, so that's pretty good. I, I think that that's about right. I would say that it's pretty close to, to 50, 50, you know? So yeah, that we will or won't. 
Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Uh, that, it's back. It's back. My own joke is haunting me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I think the Seahawks are a deserved favorite and it looks good. The schedule looks really nice. I'll be honest. The Bills kind of got exposed finally, and I, I feel like everyone now feels the same about them as I do. Uh, the divisional games are always tough, but our division has kind of looks a li- look. It looks good, but not great, right? The Cardinals look like a nine nine or ten win team. The 49ers look like an eight win team, and the Rams look like. Um, I don't know what to make of the Rams, to be honest with you. At I've this been point. watching a lot of Rams. I'm not proud to admit that. I'm pretty upset about it. But I watched like three Rams. <laughs> no one wants to watch the Rams, and um, we make proud. these. I'm not tired either. <laughs> we make these jokes that Sean McVay is. It's easy for Jared Goff to hear Sean McVay. That may be the reality of things because every game is like a home game for the Rams. Meaning and fans, no fans fans, are getting added back to the stadium, though. That's maybe why they haven't been playing as good lately. Yeah, well, they've been adding in like the 10,000 range. That's uh, too loud. It's too it's loud too for McVay. Loud. <laughs> can't hear him anymore. Too much. It's too loud. It's too he's, loud. He's doing the Elway, lower the crowd. He used to do shh. Uh, his ears are the same size as his hands, so it's a big problem. <laughs> It's uh, it's something that I'm concerned about. I don't think the Rams are a really good team, but their defensive line is still a force. Aaron Donald is still playing on this team. Uh, Jared Goff isn't great, but Jared Goff can move the ball and throw accurate enough in medium to short distances. Um, they, they're figuring out a running game the same way we are, I guess. I, I, I call them a dangerous team. I think that the Cardinals are better than the Rams, but that the Rams might be like a merely middle of the road, like a nine and seven team, right? Which I mean, here's the thing: if the Rams, if the Cardinals go ten and six, the Rams go nine and seven, and the 49ers go eight and eight. Sorry, I hit my mic. The, I'm talking with my hands. It's Forza Italia, guys. So, so, so uh, I'm talking on my hands on an all audio format. But if those teams go with those records, they might all make the playoffs. Because the seventh seed is going to be like eight and eight, nine and seven in that range, you know. I forgot we have a seventh seed. You said, yeah. "Are we going to get the buy?" And I was like, "Oh, that's right." And now I'm there's right. only only one buy. Yeah, that's why that's why it's tougher. It's a, it's a little bit tougher to be a hundred percent confident, which is why I said maybe coin flip coin flip range. But Seahawks look really good. They look really strong. I think there's only a couple teams in the NFC that I'm really wouldn't want to play in a playoff game, uh, like Tampa. I don't want to play Tampa very much. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't yeah, want to. Defense is legit. I wouldn't want to play Aaron Rodgers, even though I think that the Green Bay's defense is kind of medium. But I, Aaron Rodgers is just he's always scary. You know, he's a, he's a really good football player, even like this sub peak Aaron Rodgers, who's like the ninth or 10th best quarterback in the league. Still, when he's hot, man, it is it's on. And yeah, Tampa's defense is amazing. And they're Tom Brady. All he has to do is be a game manager. And with those weapons like that's that's a brutal matchup. So I, I'd be, I would be excited to see Seattle play Tampa Bay to be honest with you, because I love good football and that's a great matchup. And I want to stick it to Bruce Arians because I freaking hate that guy. Yes, stupid hat, his <laughs> uh, his arrogance, stupid, his arrogance, his Kangle hat. He's such a jerk. Like I just want to really stick it to that guy. All right, let's talk Arizona Cardinals for a minute. That's our matchup for next week. Arizona came in this week at tenth in DVOA, the number twelve offense, the number nine defense, number fourteen special teams. Defense actually playing a little above the level I think most people expected. The big problem with the Cardinals is their offensive line. It's not a great offensive line. They've had uh, trouble this year. Buda Baker has been kind of holding that defense together and playing really, really good football. Uh, they're like. They, they, and Kyler Murray. Uh, I just can't say enough uh, nice things about Kyler Murray. I know on the other, on the Patreon podcast, I make a lot of jokes about how he's a hobbit and he's really short and you can wear him as a backpack. And those are things are all, those things are all technically true. They're, they're all technically true, but he is a really good football player. He has the most rushing yards of any quarterback in the league right now. He, um, he's kind of, it's kind of a, an emergence for him. And I think, a lot of the hype that's being heaped on to like Josh Allen should maybe be going to like Kyler Murray right now. It's I know that like the the touchdown numbers maybe aren't as impressive, but I mean for throwing the football? Ten he's throwing he's throwing sixty six percent, ten touchdowns, six interceptions, and he has a ton of rushing yards. He's a he's a great weapon, I think. And um yeah, I I'm I am excited to see how the Seahawks decide to handle this, you know, because it is a challenge to go against a guy who's throwing and running this well. And uh, like, okay, well, which quarterback would you be more scared of, Kevin? Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? Uh, Kyler Murray's legs, I think, are a big difference maker right now. I think both of them have some pretty big questions for me as far as they're throwing. 
Kyler's throwing pretty good this year. Josh Allen is also throwing pretty good this year, but he, he's just like bombing it deep. I would. I think I, he's both a bit inconsistent, which it's is going with that, which is to be expected with two guys that young. Uh, yeah. and one of them's a Hobbit. Um, <laughs> that that does look so, to Wyoming, which isn't even a real state. So, what? That's it's where. Not. That's hey, well that that's like that state's like eighty percent national park, bro. So I'm into it. <laughs> That's <laughs> a park. I said state. I'm. I. Uh, I don't know. Kyler Murray. Okay, but Kyler Murray's playing really good. A tree. So, how do you think that we handle Kyler Murray, though? Do you think that we spy him a lot? Do you think that they will? Uh, how do you think they will address that problem? Is it lane discipline, playing zone, spying? How do How do we stop Kyler Murray from carving us up on his feet? Seeing how we're not having a a great deal of. Uh, benefit you, using our ends to get pressure. I would not be surprised if our ends kind of contain the outside because you can't have double spy. You are going to have someone spying on every play. I think Pete's going to find a way to move that around uh, or maybe Ken Norton's figured it out. Uh, but as I, as I repeat, Pete will figure out a way uh, to make that happen. Uh, Kyler Murray, like Kevin said, his accuracy isn't, it's not always there. The, it's a lack of consistency. Uh, two weeks ago, he looked pretty good. Against Dallas, he looked like a mess. Uh, now they said, oh, it, uh, the homecoming, and you know he was just so amped up, and now he's settled down. He didn't really settle down all game. And in, in COVID-19, I'm not going to call a road game a big, uh, a big stretch for anyone, even a young quarterback. So uh, – the the Cardinals are going to be relying quite a bit on his legs. And this dude's super fast, probably because, as Nathan said, he's low to the ground. But <laughs> he's, he's literally he's, like corners very well. He's a very I feel like 510 on the height on the media guide is generous. Yeah. And he's faster than Russ was. Russ was wily. And, you know, Russ will turn around. Kyler Murray will, will take that deep sack that Russ never did. But turning the corner, you know, basically coming into the into the sidelines to get that extra yard game over. And that's the one concern I have in this game is how that can, if we don't give him anywhere to throw, he's just going to burn us with 11 yard runs. Yeah. I think that kind of covers it. Going back to the question. um, The important thing is going to be lane discipline. I think you spy him and I think you prioritize um, pushing the pocket around him and keeping your lane as opposed to going after the sack. And what you try and do is force him to beat him with your with his arm, and I think you try and force you, him. You, so you're trying to, to and then you're trying to is. you're trying to force a mistake, which seems to be our strategy this year, right? Is force yep. te- other teams into mistakes. And I do as, think the fact we're a much more sure tackling team than we were in years past is going to play to our advantage. Though honestly, he's not getting much of his run his rush yardage um, after contact. He's only averaging a little under two yards. Uh, yards per attempt after contact. The big thing is he's just getting these clean, big runs and yeah, he's getting them mostly off of QB scrambles. Well, he, I mean, he, I wish I was going to say that I was impressed by how much of his yardage comes from designed runs too, though, like almost half. So they, they, they definitely like try to get him involved in the game. Another thing, Eric, is that like, how good did he have to throw against the Cowboys when they're up like 38 to 10? They're just like killed the Cowboys. Yeah, but it was mostly with his legs. And at the beginning, he wasn't killing him. In the beginning, it was just two big fumbles by Zeke. But he couldn't put together any throw beyond 20 yards. The DeAndre Hopkins one he had was was a uh, a crossing route that just went for big after the catch yards. And you're right, a lot of his really good design runs especially have been over the edge. So mm-hmm. running off the end on the left or the right side, um, kind of RPO type stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, kind of a lane discipline thing. You want to see that straight push and hold the line with the D line and let Jamal come firing in there and sure. get a hit on him or let Ugo fire in there and get a hit on him. It's a really good game to get to get Jamal Adams back because yeah. like you, wor- you worry about like – a guy, you know, you got because you're gonna have to chase. You're gonna have to chase him down. You know, you're gonna have to chase uh, Kyler Murray down. You're gonna have to like find him. And Jamal Adams is a really good guy to be doing that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's nice to to sandwich uh, the 49ers game the between the Cardinals, 49ers, Bills. This is like where we'll see these three games 
kind of where is this team uh, the number one seed or is this team uh, just a division champ, right? Yep. Because I think like this is this is where the championships are made. Is if you can if you can get two out of three here, um, you're really on pace for for that for that number one seed. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm we're gonna ask a lot of KJ in this game. We're gonna ask a lot of Bobby. We're gonna ask a lot of Jamal because they're gonna have to bottle up. You know, one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL, who who gets to work with a lot of dynamic playmakers too. To be clear, right? I'm saying D Hop's gonna get his Hopkins. Just, just know that's gonna happen. Hopkins, Kirk, Fitzgerald, Isabella is like an insane top four. That's <laughs> that's that's um that's almost Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, uh, you know DK. That's like almost yeah. that level, right? Christian they're, Kirk they're, is still very fast. They're operating at that level of of um, doing it. But the the problem for them is if, if they allow pre- they allow pressure, although not last week. Because I think that to be honest with you, uh, Dallas is a mess, and everything everything that can go wrong for them is going wrong. Yeah, yeah. Coaching it's coming out. Players are now open season trashing Mike McCarthy for a shocker being not a good coach. Oh, is that <laughs> happening finally? All right. Uh, the other thing is going back to that tackling point though. Like Christian Kirk's averaging almost uh, six yards after the catch per reception. Like, got it. Got to shut him down right when he gets yeah, the ball. DeAndre Hopkins is averaging five and a half yards after catch per reception, and these are guys that are catching the ball a bit down here <laughs> too. So being sure with that tackling is going to really limit it, and that's a Cliff Kingberry offense, right? Um, if you like the air raid, you know what they're trying to do: spread them out, create lanes. Uh, yeah, move the move it. Get, get guys move get guys moving with the ball lead them in those crossers you know i i am really pissed if i see deandre hopkins being covered by a by a linebacker oh my gosh. Now. prepare oh to my be gosh. mad at least once or christian Hop- kirk being covered by kj Chris, christian prepare kirk getting mad like three times christian kirk getting chased by kj is like the stuff of nightmares that's that's, gonna that's definitely gonna happen also, I already hate it. Larry Fitzgerald, not washed up yet, and I'm kind of mad about it. Kind of, kind of a decent player still. Yeah, he's a, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. He's a, he's a good football player. Jim Here's the thing. I, I really wish that I really wish that Larry Fitzgerald won a, uh, a Super Bowl oh, in the past. Yeah. In the past. With yeah. Right. Like when 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 it doesn't because this is our year. You know, this is our window is open right now. So now I because he deserves it. He's a, he's a great player, deserves a championship, but just um it just never happened for him. Never so called, totally came first, together. folks, we're going to trade for Larry Fitzgerald before t- the trade deadline. Oh my god, he's that'd be so cool. Be oh, our take it. Receiver he's going to be the biggest with us. We just need that big butt. Okay. So <laughs> Had to do it. Had to do it. Black All right. There, let's go. Let's go straight to the money jo- money zone with that one. Oh, we got to do picks. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Seahawks 38, uh, Arizona Cardinals 30. Kevin? Uh, it's probably, you know, actually, the last time we won by more than one score, I want to say was last year against Arizona. So okay. let's go ahead and make this one a little bit bigger. Uh, let's go. Size Seahawks. does matter. It does. It's style point. <laughs> Kyler like, Murray did. Uh, like Fitzgerald's butt. Um, Kyler Murray's short. <laughs> let's go Seahawks 38 and Cardinals 24. I like that very much. 36, 23 Seahawks. Kevin, Eric, if you would have picked 38, we all would have picked 38. And then when, <sighs> it, when it was 38, we would have looked like geniuses. And then if we wasn't 38, we never would have mentioned this again. Okay, there are many <laughs> there there are many ways to help the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and for as little as a dollar twenty four a month, get in the Discord, hear the picks podcast with all the all the funnies, and uh just hang out hang out with the boys in the Discord. I think that's the big thing. So thank you to the new October patrons, Taro, Andy, Gareth, Dean, Jonathan, Banked, and Nathan, and all the Patreons. <coughs> Man, I, am I, do you think I, should I go get a COVID test with this cough? Like, <clears throat> what is going on here? You made a live laugh joke earlier, which shows you have. No I think experience. it's from. I think it's from. I actually think it's from doing that voice in the Patreon podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Lu- Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Foles, Emmanuel, Jay, Orwolf. Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. Also, if you're not in the Discord yet, get in the Discord because this week I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the masks to give away. You could win a Seahawks Nest mask sent to your very home. Eric, there's also a picture in the Discord of Eric wearing it. Yes, Looks good. It Looks good. Perfect. Not the, And Eric's not going to 
I'm not going to send you the one that Eric is wearing. I want to make that clear. Yeah, it will be possibly. It, it will be a different one that has not been worn by anyone, unless you really want the one Eric wore. In which case, I will switch it, and you can have Eric's hot breath on your mouth. What we need to do is we need to get. Uh, I'm getting get, tomorrow, so I'm going to wear it there and with pride. It's going to be great. We need to get Dusty to Photoshop the mask onto Rasheem Green, so it's the mask plus the eyebrows. And won't it won't be the best mask? Uh, we'll, we'll Photoshop in the Discord this week, though. That no. has to go to Astro, who Photoshop. I said, I said, oh I said, man, that Terminator graphic for Jimmy Garoppolo is really generous. And he was like, here, let me fix it. And then, like five minutes later, he has a Photoshop of it's Jimmy Garoppolo and the Tin Man instead. <laughs> and I think the joke I made on Twitter was, if Jimmy Garoppolo was the Terminator, he would have broke down in transit when they tried to send him back in time. Uh, <laughs> so, we talk about Jimmy Gold Jackets. All right. So movie club today, it's the spooky month. We got to do a spooky, uh, spooky themed thing. We're going to do an actual movie next week, uh, which we, I know we have not done much this month, but we're going to do an eliminator, an old classic Seahawks nest favorite game. We're going to eliminate horror villains all time. Okay. I made a, a list of horror villains that is 27 deep. We're going to take turns eliminating them. We're going to go as we're going to go fast at first and then slow down at the end. So you're going to keep up. Here's my 27 horror villains. You guys can tell me if I really missed one that needs to be on here. You want to post and, the link? <laughs> uh, oh, yes. I'll post the link in the chat. Give me nice. one sec. Let, let me turn. Let me turn on link sharing so that anyone with the link can view it. All right. Here we go. Our it's in the Zencaster chat. Uh, you guys are really inside baseball now. I'm leaving this in. You guys will know everything. Okay. So the, the uh, horror eliminator annie wilkies from misery can't the candy man which i think from uh, candy man from candy man chucky oh, we just said it three times cujo freddy Krueger, freddy krueger Ghostface, hannibal lecter henry from henry portrait of a serial killer jason Voorhees, jigsaw john Ryder from hitcher and before you say anything about that okay i just have to say yeah. something yeah i had to put a villain role from Rutger Hauer on this list because I it is necessary. Rutger Hauer is the goat. Uh, Leatherface, uh, Margaret White from Carrie. That's the real villain in that movie, by the way. Not Carrie White. It's the mom who is the horrible person. Uh, we got Michael Myers, Norman Bates, the Overlook Hotel, which is really the bad guy, not Jack Torrance. The hotel is the is the villain. Jack Torrance uh, is the avatar of the Overlook Hotel. Pazuzu from The Exorcist, Pennywise the Clown, Pinhead. Sadako from The Ring, although we could use the Ringu version or the Ring version. It's basically the same thing. I'm not going to. Yeah. Sam from Trick or Treat, the shark from Jaws, the Duke, the entity from It Follows, the leprechaun, the thing, and xenomorphs from Alien. Did I miss anything? Please say no. So I don't have to. Uh, I am happy with that list. Yeah. I don't okay. really need that. Either. All right. Here's what I'm going to do then as we eliminate each one. Eric, you are first. It's going to go Eric, Kevin, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I did. I did the math wrong. Now I'm not going to get the last elimination. All right. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to redo it? I'll let you redo nope, it. Nope. Nope. Eric, go ahead. Okay. Uh, wow. First elimination. How am I going to make someone mad here? Uh, you know what? It's it's get rid of something. There's some bad ones on this. I list. got yeah. I, I got one immediately. Uh, Cujo, thank you for stopping by. Goodbye. It's not his fault. That's the that's the real thing. Cujo, Cujo, not your fault, man. You just got bit by a bat. Uh, Scary argue, though. I, Scary I would though. argue. Uh, rabies was the real villain in that movie. Ooh, nice. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll put rabies in parentheses right here Ooh, on the rabies list. Rabies in parentheses. Okay, Cujo, rabies. <laughs> there you go. All right, Kevin. Uh, I'm gonna eliminate Chucky. Uh, Chucky. I think the Chucky movies are fun, but they're not that good. scary or good. <laughs> like they're you can watch them and have a good time, but they're they're yeah. fine. I mean, if you wanted Deadpool <laughs> to be the villain in a horror movie, then congratulations. <laughs> I have a I have a couple options here. Um. I'm going to have to go with uh, the leprechaun because it's the obvious one. And I just want to get it out of the way. Uh, leprechaun is uh same thing. It's more funny than scary. Uh, they, they really leaned into that at a point where they just started making like leprechaun in the leprechaun in space is the best because it ends. Uh, just, I don't want to spoil it. Just everyone go watch it. No, uh, just spoil it. No, just spoil it. Well, yeah, <laughs> 20 year old bad horror movie. He gets frozen and blown up in space and it's just his middle finger floating through space. And yep. it's just like, <laughs> yep, great job. Uh, hey, uh, keeping with the theme of the podcast and making fun of Kyler Murray, all the shortest people out first. Do we plan it? I don't know if we did or didn't. 
Oh, yeah, yeah that is true. Yeah. It, Cujo, hey, is Cujo tall if he stands on his hind legs, though? That doesn't count. That's not that's how dogs stand. Not how dogs. So then are you saying that Sam can, has to be can, next? That's can, do, can dogs, uh, can dogs, can no, dogs look up, Eric? Can dogs nope. look up? Uh, that's come on. Uh, no, Sam's not next because Sam's like Russell Wilson. He's the goat. You can't eliminate him right now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take out Jigsaw. I don't, I don't I actually think Jigsaw is like has good lore and like is well put together. But and the Saw only one movie, but if the, if the Saw movies like have like such wildly fluctuating, even just moment to moment within the same movie, other than the first one, which is just all around kind of solid but within the same movie there'll be something that's really cool and something that is just like eye-rollingly dumb yes and uh i i, I feel in that kevin all right i'm gonna go ahead and there's there's like a vengeful one i want to do but i'm gonna save that i'm gonna get rid of margaret white i think this is around the spot where she goes out memorable character but um in the end like she just was a crappy person all right i'm doing pinhead I just don't oh, think that's another great one to do. I, I just don't think uh, that that a, Hellraiser or is Hellraiser is like a great movie. And you can you can like Hellraiser Robots. if you want. Sure. You that's fine. It. We came. That's the that that quote is the only reason I like that movie. <laughs> but like the end. Yeah, I mean the, pu- the, puzzle, the, the the puzzle box summons Cenobites, like cool. Like what a weird what a weird conceit for a horror movie too. Like, I don't know. It's just not what, into what it. a long way to go just for a bunch of bondage. Yeah. yeah right. Milton Bradley. Just so got, just so people can wear leather and murder each other. Like you, you go you, 50 shades of Halloween. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> you guys done yet? Um, you know, he's, he's yeah. had a good run. Henry portrait of a serial killer. See ya. Right. Great. Michael actual Rook. murder. <laughs> great. Great. Michael Rooker. Mr. Yo. Michael Rooker. Great in that movie too. Yes, just, absolutely. Uh, Playing the serial killer. All right, Kevin. And the end of that movie is uh, is really intense and good. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and... Yeah, now's a good time to do it. I'm going to drop Freddy Krueger because I always hated him. All right, that's fine. I don't think he's an interesting character. I don't particularly care for his lore, and I think that's the most overrated major slasher franchise. Oh, bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think... I think something is that the idea of the Freddy Krueger movies is scarier than the actual execution of the Freddy Krueger movies. Like that's like the idea of like this, if you ever sleep, this guy will murder you is like a really cool conceit for a movie. But like the execution is, is medium. It's medium. But I'm a dream warrior. I I did count right, (laughs) but I just checked. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to, Get, this is hard. I like almost everything that's left. Yep. I'm gonna get rid of. Uh... Wow, this is tough. This is like looking at a list of like things that I I quite enjoy. Got, yeah. Uh, Annie Wilk, still Candyman, Ghostface, Hannibal, Jason, John Ryder from Hitcher, Leatherface. We... Michael Myers is still there. I'm gonna go with uh, Sadako from The Ring. Nice. I think it was the safest choice. <laughs> Um, although the, the ring movies, the, my favorite part of the, the, the American ring movie was when that horse jumped off the thing. I don't know why, but the way it hit its head on the side of the boat made me laugh really hard. And then from that <laughs> point and I'm in the theater and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how old I am, but I'm in the theater and I started laughing and then everyone just like turned and looked at me and I was like, dang, I guess I'm the only person who thought that was uh, funny. <laughs> are we a big, I guess we got a big equestrian crowd in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it just looked stupid. Like, I, I know, I don't know what they CGI'd it or what, but it just looked dumb. And then the, the noise it made when it hit the boat, it was like, dong. So <laughs> takes you out of the movie and takes the creepiness out of it. All right, Eric. Uh, um, yeah, it's getting tough here. I got two. I'm thinking I'm, I want to take out, but I'm going to piss off Australia. And the uh, LBGTQ community, uh, uh, the the icon himself, the Babadook. See you later. Okay, I can dig it. I mean, he's yeah. that's a great that's a great film, and uh, I really like the life that the character has taken on. Uh, nothing, nothing left is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I will say, if it was the little kid from the Babadook, first elimination would have been spent on that. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> uh, gosh. Yeah, this is this is tough. Um, yeah, it's a list of things that are that are cool. Like it's a yeah. list of things that are 
that are good, uh, good movies too. Yeah. I'm going to go with nice mix of like underrated and properly rated uh, movies as well. I'm going to go ahead and take out John Ryder here. I think uh, he's so, he's so villainous in that movie though. He's he is so... really villainous in that movie. Um, it is a, it is a one-off and the movie well, around him doesn't quite hit as strong as some of these other ones. I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's just Rucker Howard, man. Okay. All right. Uh, it's my turn. I'm going to eliminate. This is every time it gets to me, I'm like less excited about. Uh, let's Painful. let's do um, let's do Ghostface. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. I just think yeah. if we're making a list of like the greatest villains, he's good, but the movie around him is actually better than the actual villain, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, all right, Eric. Uh, I think it's time. Uh, you know, Halloween. You can't trick or treat in the ocean, guys. Jaws. See you later. Oh wow, the shark. The shark from Jaws. Uh, Jaws himself. Great the first time. Uh, no sequels. That's that's like. <laughs> Yo, Eric. None of that. You know the shark's coming after you in Jaws: The Revenge. Jaws: The Revenge. Jaws: The Second <laughs> Revenge. Kevin. Jaws: The Revenger. Um, I think we're at a point where I can go ahead and take out Candyman and feel okay about that. Racist. No, I'm just uh, I, my favorite part about Candyman is that uh, he put that stipulation in his contract where he got paid for every time he got stung. Yeah, that's a great like story. Next level genius. Uh, another thing, too, is, is that, okay, one, you have this villain idea, right? Like you say his name three times, he comes and he kills you with a hook, right? It's like like this villain idea. And then someone in the pitch meeting was like, but but what's really scary? Bees. How do we shoehorn bees into this movie? <laughs> yes. And it's like it's like the most like convoluted way to like shoehorn bees are bees are scary i hate bees bees suck but like it's just like why does there bees oh because when they killed him they covered him with honey and had him get stung to death it's like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but but okay all right i'm in so it'd be, it'd be way better if it was like summoned bears because they smothered him in honey and a bear ate him all right i'm gonna we gotta i gotta keep it moving so i'm gonna eliminate um i'm gonna eliminate jason Voorhees um because I think that yeah, the sequels kind of take away from the the goodness. The more times they went back to that well, the you know by the time we're at Jason in space, I'm like completely tuned out. Yeah, you know. So so the, if um, you're an evil murderer, at some point you're going to space. Eric, um, sorry to attack the classics here, but I just have to say Norman Bates or Norman Bates' mom or the hotel. You had a great run. Congratulations. We'll see you next time. Good movie, good villain. Probably yeah. deserves to be in the great, of great list. twist back in the day before the twist was invented. Kevin, uh, and also that end scene is really good. Yes, um, <clears throat> I think it's Sam's turn. All right. Sam from Trick or Treat. Uh, probably probably great, Ball. great call, Kevin. I love that series. Uh, I I think it's a really fun character, but let's face it, his part in the movie, much like his part in this, is now over. Oof, this is the list. This list is getting good. Um, let's go ahead and get rid of I'm gonna go with Pazuzu yep, from The Exorcist. Wow. Uh, because I don't think it should win, and I'm really at this point like only trying to eliminate things that I don't think should win. Uh because the of the quality of everything else. Not nothing left is bad. The Exorcist is an awesome movie. Pazuzu is a is a cool villain. The scenes with the with the exorcism going on are are scarred into my brain for the rest of my life but, but. Uh, your mother would just uh it's sorry uh Pazuzu would just like to let you guys know that uh your mother sucks cocktail okay yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> eric go ahead i love it i love it when he leaves the party he's always he always says the nicest things um uh, uh on a related note to what kevin just said i think it's time to get rid of the entity from it follows this movie was such an awesome surprise Really great, really great way it was shot. Um, original, but you're right. Good. Some disturbing imagery in that movie that yes. has like really stuck with me. Yes. Uh, that uh, that I think kind of underrated. The entity really brings it when it comes to like showing you something that you wish you didn't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And a way to die, you just don't. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think in the same run, I'm going to go ahead and ditch the thing right now. I love this movie. It is one of my it is probably one of my three favorite um horror movies of all time but 
we're at the point now where the entity, the thing, Pazuzu, are not like are not what you're seeing and what's acting. And so now that those have been eliminated, we have like both the entity and the persona are both evil. Okay, I'm going to take out Xenomorph, even though Alien has the best tagline of all time of any movie in space. Nobody can hear you scream. Greatest tagline of all time. Uh, but I just think that, that I think that I um, I I want. Uh, OK, how about this? I want a human or humanoid ish character to win because Racist. to me, to <laughs> speciesist, because <laughs> even though Alien is scary, um, like aliens can't emote and uh like it's just it's just like and you the know sequels kind of took away from because in just the first movie the Zeta wolf is horrifying yeah. yeah and then the second movie is just like an action movie so which is great but it's just great but it's, it yeah. takes it off this list i think makes the xenomorph less scary all right yeah. eric um because i'm a terrible terrible sexist annie wilkes you're terrifying but you're but you're off Get actually I was, I was like i was kind of low-key rooting for that because misery is like you, you that villain is james super villain scene is friggin the worst yeah, james oh. Conn always plays like this this like hard stern character and he's so vulnerable in that movie and uh kathy Bates just comes out of nowhere and just puts together that performance dude the sound on that is like yeah kevin um so i'm gonna go with another movie that the sound effect is one that always sticks with me and this is the spot where i'm gonna get rid of leatherface okay right. and when i think of leatherface what i always think of is the scene when they pull back the door and he hits the dude in the head with the meat cleaver yes and it is a meat <laughs> hammer and it's just like that and the uh the sledgehammer for the hobbling scene in misery are two sound effects that instantly turn my stomach so my best Leatherface story is this. When I was in high school, I had a school project and it was to remake a movie poster. And so I made a movie poster that was Walker, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then it, <laughs> yeah. and it was and it was Chuck Norris's head in a cowboy hat on uh, on Leatherface. Wow. So. I, please share that somewhere. Uh, uh, it's, it's on my uh, it's on my, I think it's on my Deviant Art profile. Uh, all right. So <laughs> that's how long ago it was. All right. I'm eliminating Penny Pennywise. I think Pennywise is truly terrifying. Um, he that's why he made it this far. But uh, it's time to go. He does not. He does not operate at the level of these other three characters also, for me. For the spider form, he'd go further. But Hannibal Lecter, Michael Myers, the Overlook Hotel. That's what's left. Eric, I was really hoping you make it tough for me. Uh, I thought for sure this guy would be next. Hannibal Lecter is gone. Uh, great performance by Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Um, really, really great. But I, I just don't. Here's the thing with the sequels. I think his character was diminished a little bit, even though he was still, you know, frightening. Um, the the kind of ridiculousness of Hannibal got to me. Uh, Silence of the Lambs is where it's at. And that is that is horrifying. Top three. I think he probably should have been top four. But uh, either way. Um, and in my heart, you know, multiple MIGs still on the list. Okay. Hannibal is going to be the one that I wanted to win. So <laughs> we, I think we took Kevin's like top two. Yeah, we I took thought, Zen- I Xenomorph and, and Hannibal. I did not want to take the Xenomorph for that purpose. I was like, I don't want to make Hannibal were probably the two that I wanted to win. So now I'm stuck with Overlook Hotel and Michael Myers. Overlook Hotel is, uh, first of all, the way that that movie shot to make the hotel a character is awesome. Michael Myers, the first two movies, was a great villain. And the way that he pushed the slasher franchise uh, model forward and the character he was for John Carpenter was great. But unfortunately, there's like nine more movies of mediocrity that we could slap onto that career. And using the same logic we have for the other ones, I'm eliminating Michael Myers and I'm leaving the Overlook Hotel. All right. So Michael Myers will be in second and Overlook Hotel. I don't really think you could have. If you'd have gone the other way, Kevin, I couldn't have blamed you. I'm I love this ending, but I I think we I'll have just the say this. last two. If anything from the entity up would have won, I probably would have been fine with it. So uh that's it. If you disagree with our list, tell us why we're stupid <laughs> for Kevin, for Eric. We will see you guys <laughs> next week. Go Hawks.